Hello and welcome to the Never Judge Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Locklear, and this is episode 9 entitled, Tear Down That Wall. Now, we're going to get a little bit in the deep end. So far on my podcast, we've just been putting my toe in the water, but here it is Christmas, and I feel like it's time to jump into the deep end. I'm going to share some truths with you. Before we get into the truths of the scripture, I want to share a little history with you. You probably heard that phrase, if you're old enough, when Reagan said to Gorbachev, tear down this wall and he was talking about the berlin wall i was able to go into east berlin several times now i don't want to get into politics but i will tell you i'm all about freedom and liberty i've always been that way but more so since i was able to go into east berlin so just to understand what happened was after world war ii germany was split in two The Russians patrolled the east, and the Americans patrolled the west. I was stationed in Germany, and our deployment area was the Fulda Gap. So if anything happened in wartime, we would just rush to the Fulda Gap and protect that area. We would go there several times in preparation, and we would march up and down the fence on the west side, and the Russians would march up and down the fence on the east side. There in the corner at the Fulda Gap, there were some crosses on the east side. Those were significant because there was a town about a quarter mile away. You could see them. A man from this town had some children, and he tried to escape over the fence there at the corner of the Fulda Gap, and the Russians killed him, and the townspeople come out and put crosses there. I remember that distinctively and thinking, wow, it's so bad over there on the east side that they are willing to risk their life to escape. And you got to figure when I was there, it was some four decades after World War II, total government control in the East. That's why I always lean toward freedom. The less government we got, the more freedom we got. The more government we got, the less freedom we got. That's always my simplistic mind answering the question of where I come down on any side of an argument. Because I love freedom so much because I saw with my own eyes. You see, Berlin was on the eastern side. And they split the city just like they split the country. And there was an East Berlin and a West Berlin. And there was a wall all the way around West Berlin. And what the East Berlin people were trying to do was get into West Berlin and then they could be free and we could get them out of that oppression. As an American soldier, I was able to travel through Checkpoint Charlie. That's how we could go into East Berlin from West Berlin. And spending some time over in East Berlin, these folks were so poor, they were pitiful, they were oppressed. It's just the result of big government tyranny. Their money was worthless. Monopoly money in the U.S. would have been worth more than the East German mark when I was there. And, you know, we take for granted, we can jump in a nice vehicle and run down the store and pick up a Diet Coke. There's no way they could do something like that. 
several families would get together by one vehicle and every vehicle I saw while in East Berlin was wooden and painted yellow. We can't even fathom that. That's just the poverty level that they had there in East Berlin. And they were a pitiful people and they wanted to be free. And so when finally they were at the end of it and we tore down that wall, when after Reagan said tear down this wall, Gorbachev allowed the wall to be torn down and allowed for the people of Berlin and the people of East Germany to be free, we simply went back to Berlin, I got a chisel and a hammer, and I broke some of that wall down, sent a lot of it back for souvenirs for family members. Never forget that experience. I always say my claim to fame is peeing on the Berlin Wall, and I have a picture of that. This episode, entitled Tear Down That Wall, is about a wall that Jesus tore down. We just don't realize the freedom and liberty and how amazing life is and can be in Christ because the wall was tore down. We're a special people. If you're a believer and you are part of the church, you are part of the elect, you are in this special group, and we'll be special a million years from now. Can you imagine how we'll be dispatched and how we'll be used by God, those of us that are part of the elect, that has believed and joined the church? In three of the four Gospels, an event that happened at Calvary is covered. What happened at Calvary, Jesus died on the cross. I've covered the gospel with you, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we believe by faith on that, invite him into our heart, he comes into our heart. Now, there's something that happened there when he took his last breath. He said, it is finished. He took his last breath. And when he did that, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. I don't know how many sermons you might have heard on that, but that is a super, super significant event. We normally say the curtain was ripped. I don't like that phrase, the curtain, because it was more of a wall. Jesus tore a wall down was what he did. The early church historian Josephus said this curtain was four inches thick. And if you look at the measurements, it was somewhere between 40 and 60 foot tall. So a four inch thick, 40 or 60 foot obstacle was there. And the purpose of it was to separate the holy place in the temple from the most holy place in the temple. Now, in the most holy place of the temple, was the presence of God. And you couldn't go in there. Nobody could go in there except one time a year, the high priest on the Day of Atonement would enter the most holy place and make sacrifice to God in his presence for the atonement of the nation of Israel for the next year. One time, the day of atonement, one person, the high priest, was all that ever went into the presence of God. That was significant. There was the presence of God on the Ark of the Covenant. There's cherubims, and then there's a mercy seat between them, and the presence of God was on the mercy seat, and you just couldn't walk in there. That high priest had to have his eyes dotted and his T's crossed before he went in there, or he would die. 
and they had a rope tied around his leg so they could pull him back out if he got into the presence of God and died. That's how significant it was. And so when Jesus died on the cross, this wall come down. And just like these East German people under this horrible government control was now free to live wonderful lives. That's the same thing that happened to us. I want to share with you three tenets of Judaism. And these three tenets of Judaism that are so significant to what they do is the temple, the sacrifice, and the high priest. So these three things is what they were all about. And when this curtain come down, Jesus did away with all three. We'll get to it, and I'll explain it before you get too antsy. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to get away from Scripture. Probably going to make some people mad, and if you get mad based on what I say, then you send me an email, show me in Scripture where I'm wrong, and I'll send you back an email that says I had brain surgery earlier this year. Forgive me. But I don't believe you can show me that I'm wrong in Scripture and certainly not using history. You see, there was... 300 years before we ever had a church building, and never was it meant to be in the church building in the New Testament that a building would be a holy place for God. That was never the case. They didn't have a church building the first couple hundred years after Jesus died, and it was so amazing because when Jesus was here, The Romans believed in Greek mythology, and the Jews had this instituted worship of temple sacrifice and a high priest, or priestly tribe, the tribe of Levi. And what happened when Jesus tore that wall down, then the believer, you and me who believe in Christ, We house the Holy Spirit, right? So the presence of God is not in a place where people can't get to. The presence of God is inside the believer. That is a wonderful thing. But what we did about the last 1,700 years, we've been building that wall back up, trying to put that wall back up. And now there's a church building on every corner, and it's okay if that's what you want to do, go to a building and worship, but it's not okay when we make that place the holy place. And I know when I was a kid, this was really bad. No matter where you went, this was bad. I mean, you couldn't eat in this building. This building was called holy, right? This is the house of God. You've heard that probably. No, it's not, right? That building is no more holy than it was when it was at Home Depot on the shelf. There is nothing holy about that building, but we make it holy. That separates us from having God on the inside. There is something so freeing and liberating and special about having God on the inside. And it's not all the laws and rules. And I'll get to that in just a second when we cover sacrifice. There is no such thing as a holy building in the New Testament. There's just not. I know we sang about it. We're standing on holy ground. I have acquaintance with some preachers that they won't even wear shoes when they 
preach, right? They take their shoes off because they're elevated up on this podium and they are on holy ground. No, you're not. You're on carpet, just like it's in the bathroom, same stuff, and it ain't holy. The church is not a building, and yet we are so indoctrinated into that. We say we're going to church. The ecclesia is the Greek word for church, and the ecclesia is a person. That is the body. The Bible said, what? It was Paul said, what? Like, how do you not know this? He starts it with a question, what? Know you not your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Jesus tore the wall down and did away with the temple. We ain't got to build it back. That church is not holy. The body's holy. And this is significant. Now, is your body saved? I'm not talking about flesh and blood because your body's not saved. It's 6,000 years from the Garden of Eden and you are a depraved human being and you sin every day just like I do. But it's important to know that you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you when you're a believer. There is an Old Testament passage in Proverbs, that, and I believe it's referring to Christ. It says, He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, I'm going to try to say this without crying. Usually when I try to tell people about this, I can't get through it. So it is something amazing that happened to me. Now, I was down after an accident this year for a long period of time, and I I was in a lot of pain and I was in a bad way. I felt that presence of God. Was I a good person? Probably by most people's standards, I wasn't a good person, right? Because I never hid my sins very well. I did what I want to do out in the open. So I'm not very good at hiding things. He was there with me the whole time. And he was that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He was there with me, entertaining me, laughing with me. And I had a person who I adore that's kind of what a, a spiritual advisor. She would text me this encouraging stuff. Jesus was just using her in a great way. And there was something going on inside of me. And I would be frank and real and say, well, God, you know, I do this and I do that. And I cuss too much. And I like these things and he's like Greg get your mind off of that that's not what it's about it's about loving people and I do love people and it's about letting that spirit grow inside of me so I can love everybody even the people that are mean to me just love them love them all and, and remember that passage when he was here, he said, love God and love your neighbor. You get them things right, you've got it right. And the fruit, I covered the fruit of the Spirit earlier. And, and so that's what we want in us. And that's how important it is to understand this kind of life that we can have. Don't make a building holy. If you want to go give them your money, go give them your money. Go 15 times a week if you want to, but don't think for one minute that that building is holy and the house of God. It's not the house of God. It's not holy. You are. And that's what happened when Jesus tore down that wall. And it is an amazing experience if you get a hold of it the right way and understand it. And let me tell you, those first couple hundred years, there were more Christians than there were Jews and those that believed in Greek mythology on earth. You take and combine the two, there were more Christians. 
They never went to a church building, but God used them because they knew they were the church and they helped each other and they got together in people's houses and they loved each other and they did good for each other and they were a group of people that could count on each other and trust in each other and had the love of Jesus in their heart. They didn't separate that and go to a building once a week to go through the rolls and the emotion. No, they were that every day. And as a result of that, Christianity flourished and a lot of people became Christians. The first church building was built by Constantine, who was a Roman emperor. Now, he was a Roman emperor that believed in paganism. He was into that Greek mythology, but he converted to Christianity. But see, he couldn't get it out of him, so he built the first church. And he built like nine churches in Rome, built churches in Jerusalem. He built churches everywhere. And since that time, we've been putting them on every street corner. Now, like I said, don't get mad at me. If you love it, you go. But just don't mistake that for a holy place because you're the holy place not the building then when he tore down that wall he ended the high priest and i think this is important because we put a hierarchy in the church and what the early church understood is jesus is no respecter of person we're all the same when you believe in him you become part of the church and when you're born of that spirit, you're part of that church. And there is nobody in the church. I don't care if you pastor 80,000 people. You're not more important in the church than I am. And I don't care if you were born of the spirit this morning. I'm no better than you are. We're all equal. There is no hierarchy in the church. And yet we have place that idea of an hierarchy in the church in some sections of christianity they still have priests and you even confess to them mostly in the protestant sect there is no high priest but they still have an elevated pastor in most situations there is a hierarchy to the church and that's the way it was not meant to be by jesus and certainly not how it was so successful those first couple hundred years. There is no hierarchy in the church. We're all the same. And that was significant in the early church. And it would be significant today if we could tear down that wall. And also the sacrifice. And this is important because there is some New Testament scripture that talks about sacrificing Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Man, we took this, I feel like, and we made it just like in the Old Testament type sacrifice. And we sacrifice in a way that we make it about religion, legalism, do's and don'ts. And the whole thing is about your body given over to the Spirit. And when you give over to the Spirit, this is a good thing. And when you're walking in the Spirit and you're loving, people that's that's what it's about loving people and that fruit of that love that flows through you that fruit of joy and peace and happiness and goodness and all of these things flow out of us that's a wonderful good thing you see we make it about sin 
and we say, well, that means you can never sin or you have to be able to control sin and you're not going to be able to be part of the kingdom if you sin. Well, if that's the case and this scripture is about sin, then nobody's got a chance because nobody goes through a day without sinning. Not this day we live in. You're not going to do it. You can't do it. I'm not going to do it and you're not going to do it. You might cover yours up better than I do, but you are not going to not sin. It's just not going to happen. And we don't need to stress over that stuff and worry about that stuff. That's why I say I don't care about your lifestyle. I care about if you got the love of Jesus on the inside of you and you're going to heaven. That's what matters. You know, there's a lot of churches that, I mean, you can't eat in there. You can't drink in there. You, you got to reverence this building and you got to sit and be quiet for an hour. It's hard for me to sit anywhere for an hour and be quiet. And I know when I was little, I'd be squirming around and talking and mama pinched the shit out of me. That is a lot of sacrifice. Okay. And that's not how it's meant to be. Now I got to say my mother is jam up wonderful person she lives by the book and we disagree on some things but she's my mama and i love her and she has certainly taken care of me this year like you wouldn't believe but boy when i was little you didn't want to get one of them pinches i'm telling you because it, it was just how we were all raised and indoctrinated and i'm sure she was the same way you had to set reverence for an hour and listen to a preacher i don't know where we got that i i just can't get that out of scripture i'm pretty well versed in the bible and i do study church history as well and look at you know what happened over the years and how the practices that we engage in today where they originated and how we got to do them you know we've only done this thing for about 500 years like we do it today and we act like well jesus said do it this way and we do it this way but that's not the case at all so go back and look at maybe some church history if i've challenged you enough to believe how wonderful it could be man when it comes to marketing i'm no marketing expert but every other religion in the world you have to work your way up into the kingdom you have to do stuff be good enough you have to elevate yourself up into the presence of God. Man, in Christianity, you don't have to do a thing. We get the presence of God on day one when we invite him in, and he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and he's there with us to help us in any situation. If we'll call on him and use him, and we'll uh, get out of the flesh part in that situation and walk in the spirit, what power we can have and what we can accomplish in this world is amazing. That's what we should be doing. Tear down that wall. Get rid of the temple. Get rid of the hierarchy. Get rid of the sacrifice and realize how freeing and liberating and wonderful it is to be part of the kingdom and how special that is. And I hope that applies to you. Man, there's no better gift than you can give yourself. I give myself a gift this Christmas. I bought myself a new Glock pistol. So that's 
my gift to myself. You want the best gift you can get this Christmas? Take a little time. Believe by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Invite him into your heart and join this awesome, amazing group. And don't let the traditionalism distract you. You don't have to be a part of all that. Yes, you'll want to find people to assemble with. Yes, you'll want to learn and study and grow. It don't have to be the traditional way. But you just got to do the most important thing, and you have to invite him into your heart. And when you do that, it's on, and you are part of this group, and you're just as big a part of it as I am, and the most elevated person that you think is at that position in Christianity, because we all are the same level. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And thank you for listening. And listen next week for Episode 10. God bless.